well. So you think you can morph? So you think you can morph? Well, I want to tell you a story about a woman who was 40 years old, and she had a heart attack, and they rushed her to the hospital, and she actually crossed over into that place of a death experience, but they were able to resuscitate her and bring her back to life. Later, as she came back, she said, you know, in that near-death experience, that God had told her she had 40 years, 8 months, and 2 more days to live. And so she figured if she'd been spared and she had that much longer, she'd stay in the hospital for an extended stay there and get a tummy tuck, liposuction, and a new hairdo completely. Well, she had all that done, and the day came for her to actually leave and go home. She left the hospital, was crossing the street to go to the parking lot to the car, and was hit by an ambulance, and it killed her. When she got to heaven, she said, God, I thought you said I had 40 years, eight months, and two days to live. What happened? He said, I can't believe you didn't pull me out from the path of that ambulance. God said to her, I didn't recognize you. (laughs) (laughs) So if you go to a nip and tuck doctor, what they will do is show you an image on the screen of how you look today, and that if you have the necessary nips and tucks done, how you will morph to look a different way and they'll show you right on the screen what that's going to be like I guess for this lady the morphing backfired just a little bit recently some of the franchise owners of Domino's in Japan have imagined what it would be like for Domino's to morph and begin to serve pizza on the moon so you can see some of their imaginings about what Domino's serving pizza on the moon might look like Well, you see, morphing is something that has come to us by way of the film industry, by way of the art of animation. And morphing means that with a special effect, you're able to change one image into another. With a special effect, you're able to change one image into another. So we're talking about morphing, and perhaps some of you have already at least said under your breath, now maybe this is just a little cute gimmick they're doing, or maybe this is just a little cute language they're using, but I'll at least invite you to some deeper place about that today. Because I'd like for us to entertain the idea of what it might be like for you and I to do some spiritual morphing. What would it look like for there to be some special effect that allowed us to see one image of ourselves spiritually morph into a new one. Spiritual morphing. We heard today the story of Jeremiah, and it is a story of spiritual morphing. Now, Jeremiah was called by God to be a prophet. And when God told Jeremiah, you're going to be a prophet, God said, Jeremiah, I want you to go look at the almond tree. Now, I want you to imagine this. Okay, so you're going to be a prophet. What I want you to do is go look at the almond tree. That'd be like God saying, Michael, you're going to be a pastor. Go look at the pecan tree. Right? I mean, it's like, really, God? You want me to go look at the almond tree? Well, you see, we have some pieces of the almond tree here and its fruit. And... So the almond tree actually turns out to have some very significant meaning. 
was no small thing, actually, that God asked Jeremiah to look at the almond tree. The Hebrew word for the almond tree is to awake or to watch. And so the nickname for the almond tree is the watching tree or the awakening tree. This is because the almond tree has some very special characteristics. First of all, the almond tree blooms in the dead of winter. Right in the middle of the winter, at late January, it blooms. It's very interesting that in Palestine, this is the only tree that blooms in the winter. And so God was saying to Jeremiah, the almond tree represents that I am going to show up early. God is going to show up early. Like, God's going to show up when the showing up isn't supposed to happen. God's going to show up early and watch over all that God has imagined for Jeremiah. God's going to show up early. Another thing about the almond tree is that it blooms before it has leaves. Now that's pretty backward, isn't it? Most of the time you get the leaves first and then you get the bloom. But with the almond tree, you get the bloom first. This was to represent to Jeremiah that before he was born, that's what the scripture said, before Jeremiah was born, God had already imagined an amazing purpose for Jeremiah. Now, you know what? You and I have often heard a very different story from that, which is that we come here inherently flawed, that we come into this world and we're already behind the eight ball, that we come here full of sin and unable to see ourselves as whole. But this story suggests that before we were born, God imagined who we might be. And then God said, I'm going to hover over you and watch you until I see it come to pass. God showed up early and hovered and watched. And waited for Jeremiah to understand that what God had imagined for him, God would see to the end. Maladoma Somay is an elder in a Western African tribe. And he says it like this. He said, it's not so much that we need to be told what God has imagined for us. It's really more that we need to remember that God has already imagined something for us. We need to be aware that we came from eternity into time and we already knew what God had imagined for us. And instead of being, having a need to be told what it is, we just need to remember. Well, I believe that it's a little bit hard for us to remember sometimes because of the thing. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I say? The thing? You know, you know that, that thing where 
somewhere along the way. Somebody said, you can't do that. You can't be that. You can't go there. Who do you think you are? You know the thing, right? You know when you stumbled somewhere and somebody said, see, you can't be that. You can't do that. Or there are people in your lives who they needed something so badly that they had to make you need something too. So they said, ah, yeah, that's just, you can't do that. And so the thing comes along, and we're not able to remember what God put in us before we were born. And so... I wonder sometimes if you and I don't spend most of our life trying to come back from the thing. Trying to simply come back from the thing. And it keeps us from being able to remember what was the point. It stops us cold and keeps us from being aware that in us there is something to remember because God put it there before the day we were born. Well, then God was talking with Jeremiah about being a prophet, and Jeremiah said, you know what? I can't be a prophet. You know, at the time, Jeremiah was a little boy. He's like, I don't know anything about being a prophet. I can't do that. I can't speak like a prophet. And God said to Jeremiah, it's not necessary for you to know how. It's not necessary for you to know the answers. Jeremiah, I mean, God touched with his hands Jeremiah's lips and said, it is not necessary for you to be perfect. It's okay that you have flaws. It's okay that you have bumps in your life. I will hover over you until it comes to pass. So God has already imagined. And yet there is one thing that you and I must do. And it's exactly what God said to Jeremiah. He said, look, go and see the almond tree. In other words, Jeremiah, you have to be able to see. You have to have a vision. Go look at the almond tree. Go and vision the almond tree. I will hover over you. I have already imagined it and put it inside you. And yet you have to see it. You have to see it. So in our lives as individuals, we have to be able to see it and vision it and remember it. And you know what? As a, in our lives together as a church, we also have to be able to see it. Well, I've only been your consulting pastor for six weeks. But I want to tell you, I've seen some things. I've seen some things. When I listen to your stories, or I hear your hurts, or you're just talking to me about how you feel about this church, and when I know more and more about your history, and when I am aware of all the passages of this church through time, I want you to know when I hear those things and see them and feel them, then I can say to you, I've seen some things. 
And what I believe is that perhaps over time, you can't remember. But while I still have fresh eyes, I want you to know I've seen some things. And I believe that you can remember. And I think God has reached down and touched my lips and said, Help them remember, Lily. Help them remember. So I want to tell you what I've seen. You know, Martin Luther King said that. He said, I've been to the mountain and I've seen the promise. So I've seen some things. One of the things I've seen is that I believe this church could reform Christianity in this city. You go, really? <laughs> yeah, really. I've seen some things, and that's one of the things that feels very clear to me, is that this congregation could show people what a new kind of Christianity looks like. Now, why do I say that? I say that because just last year in Newsweek, there was an article on American spirituality that said 68% of Americans are unchurched. And the number one reason they give for not being churched is because of the negative way they experience Christians. So what I'm saying is that in this city and probably beyond this city, this church has a unique opportunity to say, when you come here, you will experience a very different kind of Christian that won't make you want to go away. Reforming what it means to be a Christian. Reimagining what God has put inside you about that. Listen, last week we hosted some events because of the conference that was happening here in the city, the ex-gay movement. And there was a mother sitting right there on the second row this last Wednesday night whose son was gay and was murdered. I went up afterward just to speak with her for a minute. It was a very lovely conversation until she sort of figured out that I was the pastor of this church. And I said, you know, we'd love for you to join us anytime on Sunday. And she said, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, oh. All of a sudden, there was a barrier. Because for her and this journey she's been on, being in a church was the last place she wanted to be. But before she left these walls and she had conversations with some other people, I think she was about to change her mind. And she was about to see that there were some people, some places, and one of them is here where she would meet a different kind of Christian. I believe that. I can see it. I've seen some things. Another thing I've seen is that I believe this church can lead the way into a new era of spirituality. Now listen, how people experience their spirituality is changing very quickly. Our young people tell us, you're going to have to do this a different way. They're telling us, if you want a legacy, then you need to be sure that we do this in a way that our younger people embrace it. I believe we could lead the way in that and stop resisting it. I believe that this church could lead 
when it comes to having folks from around the world join us in worship on Sunday. And I don't mean just because there's a TV camera. I mean they could interact with us in Russia and South Africa and Australia and Eastern Europe. They could be here with us just in a different way. We could lead if we would. We could lead the way in saying, when you come here, our job is only to hold a space for you to be wherever you are, doing whatever you're doing, and that we believe God will hover over that. And whatever needs to come to pass will come to pass. You know, God said to Jeremiah, you don't have to know the answers. And I'm going to say to you today, I feel so relieved that I don't have to know the answers. I grew up in a faith tradition where there was one answer to every question. So if somebody said, where did dinosaurs come from? There was one answer. And if you didn't know the answer, you just said, well, wait a minute. I'm going to go ask the Bible answer man what the answer is, and I'll get back to you. I'm relieved to stand here and tell you that to every question, I believe there are four, five, six, ten, sometimes fifteen answers. And so we could lead the way in giving people some room to search for their answers, knowing that God will show up early and will hover over them and will bring it to pass. So I've seen some things. And I've seen that we in this church could prove that receiving God's grace changes you. Fundamentally changes you. I believe that we could prove that as a people who have often been treated with inhospitality, that we can be people of absolute radical hospitality. And that when people come here, they are loved and welcomed, really, not sort of, not sometimes, but radically, all the time, anytime. And the reason we can do it is because we can prove it, because it has been extended to us through God's grace. I believe that we could prove what it looks like to have been the recipients of God's grace by being so generous and so astounding in our generosity that people can't even speak about it. They're so affected by it. We could prove how we've been changed by this grace by always looking for the people who need something and no one else sees them. By always remembering there was a time when any one of us in this room was right there in that same place needing something, needing to be loved, needing to be served, and that we could prove what grace means is that we forget, we quit thinking about ourselves all the time, and we think about what the needs of other people are. Otherwise, my friends, if we cannot prove that, we will become like the institutions that have turned us away and many others, and we will also become a dying institution because all of them are declining. We have to prove that we were changed by God's grace. I've seen some things. 
And I believe that every word I have just uttered is what God imagined before this church was born that it could be. And we just need to remember that God put that in the heart and soul of this church way before it was born. We just have to remember. So what is the special effect that changes our spiritual image into another? Well, God put it in our hearts before we were born. And the special effect is that God is showing up early and is hovering over what God has imagined for us. And God will hover and watch until it comes to pass. The question is, can we see? Can we see? The question is, can we accept the special effect? The question is, can we morph? Can we? Church, can we morph? One more time. Can we morph? Yes, we can. God believed it before we were born, and I believe it. And let's say it one more time. Yes, we can. May it be so. Amen.